The title of the message this morning is Facing the Wind and the Waves. Facing the Wind and the Waves. God has been speaking to us throughout this year about faith. I believe it is something that has been on His heart for us, building up your most holy faith. You know that that has been our theme since the beginning, building up your most holy faith. Can you just give me a fraction more level on my mic, please? And in Mark chapter 4, we find yet another story that encourages us to place our faith firmly in God, despite the wind and the waves. I wonder, is anyone here today facing wind and waves in where you're at and what you're going through? Well, there's a story here that speaks into the situation. So let's take a look at it. It's Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. It says, on the same day when evening had come, he, that's Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, as he was because it seems he had been teaching from sitting inside the boat and the crowds, the multitude was on the shore looking at him. It's interesting that Jesus would teach in that way. Uh, I think one of the reasons is because voice over water projects very well. And there's this whole multitude that need to hear him. Could be other reasons as well. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling But he, Jesus, was in the stern. What is the stern? That's the back of the boat. Look at this. He was asleep on a pillow. I understand in those days that generally there would be a leather sailor's pillow in the boat. Many times they'd be fishing long times right through the night. And uh, you might take turns to have a little nap. And so probably Jesus was sleeping on one of these little leather pillows. And he is asleep in the boat It says, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Have you ever been in a situation where you say to God, God, don't you care about what I'm going through? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Say that with me. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Can you imagine being there in that moment? And there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they were, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now they knew it was Jesus And they had begun to realize he's the Messiah, but still, this was so incredible because he had done other miracles of healing and provision and so on, but this was one where he commanded the elements and they responded. So they knew who Jesus was, but just afresh, their minds were blown. What? Who is this? An incredible thing. And I want to tell you, if you and I were there, I believe our response would have been the same as the disciples. We would have been all struck at what we saw unfolding before us. Now, as you just bring up the next slide with the picture on it, 
I thought to myself, I secretly wondered, was, now forgive me for just being creative in my thinking or something like that, I secretly wondered, was Jesus really sleeping on the boat? Or was he maybe pretending? Perhaps he was there with one eye and just watching how they're going to respond. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. That's kind of what I thought about. Because how can you sleep when the waves are pounding against the boat? And perhaps a sea spray is spraying over and wetting you here and there. How can you sleep? And was he pretending? I looked up and read about this a little bit and see what I could find and And it seems that actually Jesus was completely exhausted. He was really sleeping. Because let me say this, he had just been teaching for the whole day to the multitudes. Teaching can exhaust you. Lots and lots of people can exhaust you. And Jesus had been teaching the whole day. He was physically exhausted, physically drained. I find that after a Sunday morning and having led two services and ministered twice, by the time I go home, I am pretty tired. In fact, I will fight for my Sunday afternoon sleep. How many of you believe that Sunday afternoon sleep must be biblical or something? It's so lacquer, man. Oh, it's cool. Anyhow, so uh, let me just get focused here. So, So Jesus was completely exhausted from teaching, and it was at the end of the day, he was exhausted. And don't forget, his earthly ministry wasn't easy because although he was God, he was also man. And he had these three and a half years approximately of intense ministry, and it must have taken a toll on his physical body. And this reminds us that, yes, he was fully man, and he was also fully God. And I love this phrase I came across In his humanity, he slept in the boat. And in his deity, he calmed the elements. Isn't that lovely? Point number one of two things I want to say to you this morning. Number one, Jesus still calms the storm. Don't you say that with me with conviction. Jesus still calms the storm. And it says in Mark 4, 39... Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And you know, when I see that and try to imagine what took place, I think to myself, what a God we serve. What power he has. What dominion he has. And that's our God. Don't make God too small in your eyes. I want to tell you, that is our God, a God of authority, dominion, and power. Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, if he could calm the storm back over 2,000 years ago, he can most certainly calm the storm today. Can you say praise the Lord for that? And in 2014, Bethel Music released a song which they called It Is Well. And in this song, it contains the following powerful phrase, which says, So let go, my soul, and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. I like that. Do you believe that? The waves and wind still know the authority of the almighty God. What a declaration of faith Psalm 89, verse 8 to 9 says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. Now listen to this. You rule 
the raging of the sea. And when its waves rise, you still them. Interesting that you find that way back in the book of Psalms. Now, in terms of the story, I'd like to try explain the setting a little bit, if I may. And in terms of the setting, they were crossing the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is not the hugest, uh, it's actually a lake, by the way. It's not the hugest lake, but it's still a fair-sized lake. And the Sea of Galilee was famous and is still famous for sudden storms and severe storms. It's because of where the Sea of Galilee is located. It is surrounded by mountains. It is also 680 foot below sea level. So it's got these mountains with passes and canyons. And so when the real wind blows and a storm comes in, it blows over these mountains and through these canyons and passes and comes onto the surface of the water, which is in a basin, and it really stirs up the water. And so it did back then, and it's still, these things occur today at the Sea of Galilee. They say that it is an unusual body of water. Now, as experienced fishermen, these guys still knew that it was always risky crossing the Sea of Galilee. Perhaps they were surprised when Jesus said, we're going to cross over to the other side. Like, wow, are we really? Is that necessary? This is always risky business. But Jesus gave an instruction and the disciples were in for a test. Now, so what was actually meant to happen in the story? How was it meant to play out? Because Jesus knew that a storm would arise. Now, this is my take on it. This is John's NIV, John's nice, interesting version, all right? I can't be quoted on this, but I kind of think that as the Lord was taking them over, or saying to them that they must go over, I believe he wanted them to trust him completely, right through the storm. He wanted their faith to be rock solid in him, knowing that Jesus is in the boat, we're going to go right through the storm. And I believe that that's probably what God really wanted. Nevertheless, we know that their faith failed, and so... He used this as an opportunity to demonstrate his power. How many of you know God is gracious? Sometimes even when our faith fails, he will use it as an opportunity to demonstrate his tremendous power. Now, let me say this. I think this is quite important. In my understanding, when we talk in storms, I believe the following. There are storms where God will give you the grace to go through that storm, and it will not be stilled and calmed. And I also believe that there are times when God will actually supernaturally still the storm as you call upon Him. Not every storm you face will be stilled. Sometimes it's just God's going to give you grace, you're going to push through it. And sometimes he will supernaturally still that storm as you call upon him in faith. But either way, he wants our faith to be in him. So maybe if you're facing a storm right now, you need to ask the Lord, Lord, is this a storm that you will calm or one that I must push through? And then you respond accordingly. But if you sense that this is one that God is going to calm, then I want to encourage you that you stand up in your authority 
and you say, I resist the storm and I rebuke it in Jesus' name and I command peace to return into the situation. Operate in the power of the Lord and in His authority. And so we need to come into agreement with God when we sense that this is a storm that He is going to still, that He is going to calm. You come into agreement. You stand in your authority. And I believe we'll see things beyond our expectation. Let me give an example. Maybe suddenly rebellion just begins to come up in your home. Rebellion and like an uprising. You think, what is going on here? And you sense the Lord says, this is an attack. You stand against it. Then you stand in your authority and say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. The storm, I rebuke it from this household, and I command the peace of God to flood the home in Jesus' name. Take your authority. Psalm 107, verse 28, it's on your screen. It says, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. And then it says, he calms the storm. Please say that with me. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Number two, the last point I want to share with you, this is not a time for fear, this is a time for faith. Won't you say that with me? This is not the time for fear, this is the time for faith. I say that in the context of whatever storm you may be facing, I say it in the context of our nation at this point in time, and I say this in the context of the world at this point. Just this week, we heard things in terms of North Korea and America and a volatility around that. I want to tell you, this is not the time for fear. As a child of God, this is the time for faith. Mark 4 verse 40 says, But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? Would you say the word fearful? Fearful. How is it that you have no faith? Now, the Greek word for fearful is the word dilos. Dilos comes from the word dread. And what does it mean? Dilos means to be timid, faithless, and without confidence. And that is what the enemy wants you to do. The enemy of your soul, Satan, wants you to be in dread. He wants you to be without faith, and he wants you to not have confidence. But the Lord is speaking to you today and me, and he's encouraging us to have confidence. The scripture in Mark 4 verse 40 in the Living Bible, it's on your screen, it says, and he asked them, why were you so fearful? Don't you even yet have confidence in me? Disciples, after all you've seen, don't you yet have confidence? Jesus was saying, why are you so fearful having me with you? I believe that this is something that the Lord might say to you and I. He's saying, but I am with you. Why are you so fearful when I am with you? I have promised to be with you. This is so important that we realize that God is with us. So many times we wrongly think that we are alone in it. And I want to say, God is with you in what you're facing Hebrews 13, 5 says, for he himself has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Why don't you say to the person next to you, God's not forsaken you. Tell them that. God has not forsaken you. And so the disciples, they had witnessed so many miracles. 
And out of witnessing so many miracles, they should have taken the power of God to its logical conclusion that God will sustain them even through the storm. But sadly, they freaked out in the situation. But I wonder, don't you and I sometimes do that same thing? Even though God has come through time and time again, we think, well, maybe he's not going to come through this time. Many times we find ourselves in that position. But I want to say to you, let's rather say, I know God has come through for me in the past. In fact, I know that he has never let me down. And my God is not about to let me down. He will do it again. He will do it again. Psalm 25 verse 3 in the NIV Bible says, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. How many of you can say, I'm a person that hopes in God? Because the scripture says that you will never be put to shame as you trust the Lord. God is not in the business of putting to shame his people. No, no, no. As we are trusting in him, you know what? It pleases him. It is an honor to his name. Let me read you a statement here. It's an interesting one. Listen carefully. Believers today profess that trust in Jesus' power over the, that they trust in Jesus' power over the storms. But many fail short of demonstrating that trust when the storms actually arrive. Saying we believe that Jesus can help us takes on a whole new meaning when we actually depend on him for help. And I think this is the problem. Many times we make confessions, but we don't follow through with our actions. I want to challenge you today that you don't just confess that God is able to help you, but you actually believe and you say, God, I'm a believer in the storm. I believe. I am confident in your character. Like Abraham said, he was fully convinced that God could fulfill his promise. And I want to say to you, faith has to do with confidence. This is a time to actively depend, a time to have faith, a time to trust in him. The enemy hates it when you put your trust in God. He hates it. But Father God is so pleased. It's so worshipful to him. It's so honoring to him as we put our trust in him. And let me just say this. Ed Trout, Prophet Ed Trout touched on this when uh, he ministered not so long ago. You see, we, must, we mustn't misunderstand God's ways. Sometimes when we find ourselves in a storm, we think we must have disobeyed God. And this is now judgment or consequences of disobedience. Let me tell you, sometimes it is the perfect will of God that you are in that storm, just like it was in the story of the disciples on the boat. And God will come through. It can be his perfect will. And it's just a case of this is the time for those faith muscles to grow. And we can stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. And so as I'm drawing to a close, I want to say this. Let's not underestimate God's power. Let's not make him too small in our eyes. God has the power to come through for us in any storm or in any crisis. There's not storms that come along that freak Jesus out. No, no, no. And I want to end off with this powerful statement. The boat can never sink when Jesus is in it. 
Isn't that beautiful? The boat can never sink. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. When Jesus is in it. Won't you say that, ver- that word with me right now? Say that statement. The boat can never sink when Jesus is in it. One more time. The boat can never sink when Jesus is in it. And we thank you, Lord, that you are in our boats. And we can have confidence in the Master. Lord, we didn't choose you. You chose us. And you have a plan for our lives. The good work you started, you're going to be faithful to complete it. Lord, help us to know when we face storms, whether it's your grace that's just going to carry us through, or whether we should stand in faith and rebuke those storms. But we declare, God, that you are faithful. You've never let us down. No one whose hope is in the Lord will ever be put to shame. I speak to those mustard seeds of faith within the people of God, and I speak to them by the Spirit of God, and I say, grow. Seeds of faith, grow. Seeds of greatness within your heart, grow. Because God has a greater plan than what you're dreaming of. God has a greater plan than what you're thinking of. And He wants to do above what you can ask or think according to the power at work. So I pray by your Spirit, God, for faith to be released in Jesus' name. We come against doubt and unbelief. And we say in Jesus' name, we bind that, we rebuke that. We say we don't have place for that in our hearts. Fearfulness be gone. A spirit of dread be gone. A spirit of fear be gone. A spirit of faith arise. 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 In the name of Jesus. And so we thank you, Lord, that you're taking us on a journey. And we thank you that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah.